0: Welcome to FASD HOPE, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 20 years of lived experience. FASD HOPE provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD HOPE, Natalie Beckione. Welcome to today's episode. Indiana Alliance on Prenatal Substance Exposure is an affiliate of FASD United and a subsidiary of Mental Health America. The Indiana Alliance provides education, information, advocacy, and support across the lifespan for those individuals who have experienced prenatal exposure and for their caregivers. They serve as a resource for providers, stakeholders, and community partners in the state of Indiana. To learn more, visit www.inalliancepse.org. That's www.inalliancepse.org. The Indiana Alliance on Prenatal Substance Exposure is a platinum sponsor of the RUN FASD 2022 Virtual 5K. Welcome to FASD Hope. Today is a two part episode. It's part two of our two part episode with Dr. Jared Brown. Uh, Earlier, he spoke about friendship skills, which is very important um, in being proactive and learning uh, for your, your kids, teens, and young adults with FASD. Today, we're going to talk about bullying, which I know this is a really It can be a very sensitive and and uncomfortable topic for many families, especially knowing how many of our kids can be so susceptible to to being bullied. So I've asked Jared to talk about bullying to kind of give us an overview and uh, just to hopefully point us in the right direction for resources and, and building those protective factors for our kids. So on that lengthy introduction,
1: Dr. Jared Brown, welcome back to FASD Hope. Thank you, Natalie, so much for having me back. Honored to be here.
0: I, I love having you and I take lots of notes And I was telling you before we started recording, I have my pencil and my, my notebook ready. We are talking today about bullying. And um, bullying, some people think is is just a school issue, but it's really a, a cultural issue. It's really a, a, a wide scope, broad range I want to say it's really a crisis. Um, and we know that um, statistics look a little different for our kids that have FASD and other brain-based diagnoses. So what are some statistics and and basic facts that we need to know um, about bullying before we start this conversation today?
1: It's all too common. For one, when when we look at the general population, it's actually... Quite common among children. And, you know, we can't forget about adults. I've consulted on several cases where there's been an adult diagnosed with a neurodevelopmental disorder who's also dealt with some bowling and teasing in college or on the job. So it just doesn't impact kids. It can impact people of all ages. And it does have significant implications throughout the entire lifespan. Full disclosure, when I was in elementary school, I'm, I'm in my 40s now. When I was in elementary school, I was bullied and teased really bad. I can remember in third and fourth grade. Those experiences that happen to me still impact me as an adult with like self worth, competence issues. So it is something that can stick with people. And it is a type of trauma. If we now then bring neurodevelopmental disorders into the equation, people with FASD, folks diagnosed with autism, ADHD, intellectual and developmental disabilities, the rates of bullying are significantly higher in those populations. There's not a lot of research specific to FASD and bullying. You're going to find it sprinkled around here and there and popular websites, blog sites. Some articles will talk about it, but it might not be the focal point of that article. But you will find quite a bit in the autism and ADHD literature. So some of the things I'll talk about today are gonna be very general to neurodevelopmental disorders, but I'll also talk about specific FASD-related implications. In this era of COVID-19, we need to consider too how this has impacted bullying. So we need to be aware of the topic of cyber as well. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But we know, unfortunately, bowling is all too common. It's really think of it as an intentional act. This is not something done to another person by accident. Bowling is an intentional act. It is a type of trauma. It can result in trauma-like symptoms, being aware of the topic of humiliation, peer rejection, those kind of things. We'll talk about all of those things today. And some researchers, depending on what study you look at, it really consider it too, is like more peer aggressive behavior, depending on the type of bullying that's being inflicted on the other individual. There's individual dynamics. So it could take place between just a perpetrator and a victim, or there could be group dynamics where there's a group of people that are bullying and teasing one individual. The effects of bullying, again, short-term and long-term, depending on the person, depending on the situation. And there is some observed or perceived power imbalances between the person doing the bullying and the victim. There's many different dimensions, Natalie, of of bullying. You have obvious types, like physical bullying if someone was getting physically assaulted. But there's also something you're going to find in the research literature called relational bullying, where that's going to be more involving like gossiping, maybe the person is being ignored by a group deliberately, so kind of excluded from the group. We have verbal bullying, which is probably the most common, so like name calling someone, putting someone down, insulting them. But there's also something called material bullying, where someone is like, walking in the classroom and someone's trying to steal their property or steal something out of their locker, take something from their book bag. And then again, we have cyber which can involve anything to do with like screen time, the internet, social media, networking sites, and, and things of that nature. So bowling behavior, if we were to break it down a little bit more, you could have verbal threats, types of harassment. There could even be like psychological intimidation social exclusion, teasing, deliberately annoying someone. That's where it kind of gets gray. If someone's annoying someone, is that truly bullying? It depends on the frequency. It depends on the intent. Spreading rumors about the person. Unfortunately, there's been several cases where people spread rumors about someone online and post things that are are untrue. That can have significant implications for that individual's reputation. Slapping, pushing, shoving, instigating fights, using technology again, maybe it's sending threatening text messages, harassment like in an internet chat room or just bullying via email. So a lot of different dynamics. We have more direct and overt types of bullying that are going to be easier for us to see. So those are going to be like the physical, the verbal forms of bullying but then you have the more covert indirect types where it might be a little more difficult to detect on face value. Those are again like relational bullying or cyber bowling. And if we were to break it down even further, this research talks about direct types of bullying. So right in your face types of bullying, you bystander can see that it's going on. And then the indirect forms again, might be a little more difficult to see on face value but can be just as detrimental. Natalie, I'll park the brakes. Open it up to thoughts on that. Well, I have. I can go a lot deeper into some of these subdimensions too.
0: So, first of all, thank you for disclosing and and sharing your your lived experience. Um, I too also was bullied in elementary school and in middle school. Um, my family moved around a lot, and you know, being the new kid. Um, and and being small. I was very short. Um, I still am. I haven't, I haven't gotten any taller, but uh, you know, elementary school and, and uh, middle school, I, I was bullied a lot. And um, you, you know, when you talk about it, I think it can make a lot of people uncomfortable because they have experienced it. And I, I just seeing, you know, the past 30, you know, 20, 10, even five years, it's, it's just seems like, it's significantly increased in like you said in the general population and then you add on this new dimension of cyberbullying and new stories we read about you know someone who died by suicide because they were extorted you know over you know online that kind of thing it, it really is it really is a crisis it, and i think this really needs to be addressed systemically i mean i would really love to see more Legislation, more support services, you know, for people who have been bullied, for families, and and then also for prevention and and um, not just awareness but prevention. So I'm I'm really appreciative of of everything that you're sharing. And as always, I'm taking lots of notes for our listeners, and we'll be sharing them during our social media posts as well as in our our program notes today. So. Let's talk specifically about FASD and and neurobehavioral disorders. We know that our kids, teens, and young adults and adults are more susceptible to being bullied. And I know there's not specific research about FASD and bullying, but we have seen research on bullying and, and developmental disabilities, bullying and neurodiversity particularly autism, what are the whys behind the neurobehavioral population being targeted or or being more susceptible to being bullied?
1: Executive functioning impairments are a factor. So again, executive function, kind of the boss of the brain really relates to decision making and problem solving and reasoning we know that it's, it's quite common for folks who are diagnosed with a neurodevelopmental disorder to also struggle with theory of mind deficits, which relates to perspective taking. And you'll actually find plenty of research literature to support that in the autism world. So if someone has theory of mind deficits, they, they might have a real difficult time with perspective taking like give and take relationships, that is a component of being able to make friends. If someone has low levels of theory of mind, they might have a real difficult time detecting deception. So they may not realize that the group of people are trying to take advantage of them. So that's a huge part. We know people with FASD unfortunately have higher levels of gullibility, higher levels of suggestibility, higher levels of confabulation higher levels of insecure attachment patterns, trauma history, sleep deprivation, co-occurring mental health issues. They really lack that cause and effect. So they have a hard time with abstract reasoning. And again, they have a high level of vulnerability to manipulation or coercion because of some of these factors we're talking about. And if we would look at some of the like umbrella terms for people to be aware of, social cognition is kind of that big umbrella term. People at FASD have social cognition deficits. Under that umbrella, you're gonna have theory of mind, mentalization, elements of empathy. Without a doubt, this population really, really struggles with behavioral control problems, self-regulation concerns. And maybe a young child can get away with those kind of behaviors here and there in the school But as they get older, if you have a teenager starting to have like developmental regression and having emotional blow ups, other kids are not going to understand what's going on and they're going to pull away sometimes they're going to make fun of that person, they're just not going to understand that this person has a brain based disorder that's contributing to these kind of behavioral outbursts. So many cases I've consulted on, too, where the person with FASD, let's let's just hypothetically use like 16 years of age, for example, the person's chronologically 16. Maybe they only function as a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old, so they have a real hard time making friends their own age. I've heard this many times from caregivers that my child with FASD just doesn't have friends their own age. Well, you can probably get away with that when you're younger. As you get older, that can lead to a host of legal issues. So as that person gets older and they turn 18 and all of their friends are significantly younger than them underage, that can be a real issue. There is some anecdotal kind of stories I hear from people where sometimes people with FASD seem to be more codependent. They might have more struggles with self-esteem or internal locus of control. Those are some indirect factors I'd be on the lookout to that I suspect probably contribute to friendship-making deficits and place the person at greater risk to being bullied and victimized. There's a case I consulted on last year, the person had FASD. Uh, One component uh, of this person's history was a long history of being bullied and teased. But this person also had significant traumas early in life. So we need to also consider what other type of traumas did that person get exposed to? And what was going on in utero besides alcohol use? Plenty of cases I've consulted on where there's also been drug abuse during kind of prenatal exposure. The mother was not also having good prenatal care. Maybe she was in a domestic violence situation. So a lot of layers to take into account. But this particular case, extensive trauma history, extensive history being bullied. This person had a real fear of negative evaluation by other people. So they really lived their life in a way wanting to people please everyone. That's not a good thing. That placed that person at greater risk for vulnerability and victimization. This person also had extensive internal distress, shame, guilt low self-esteem, low self-worth. Interestingly, and sad too, this person is dealing with a host of co-occurring medical issues, lots of digestive health issues. We know when our gut is off, that has a huge impact on our mood and behavior and even social health. This person was chronically sleep deprived. We know sleep issues very, very common in this population. This person had a number of learning deficits, time management concerns, Organization. This person also lacked confidence, assertiveness, and really presented in a very flat, affective kind of manner. So, other people who didn't know the person had a real hard time kind of reading this person's kind of mood state. So, there are a lot of layers. This is just one case I consulted on, and I point all these things out as possible identification screening areas and intervention approaches, too, where If the person's dealing with a lot of these co-occurring factors, address as many of these things as possible. And again, we have to do it in a multidisciplinary approach because there's usually not one professional who understands all these topics. It's oftentimes working with a a counselor, a a therapist, a social worker, a medical doctor, a psychiatrist, and so on. So those are just a few things, Natalie, that come to my mind.
0: Those are a lot of things. We think of FASD, we know, and, and as you mentioned, the four hundred over 428 co-occurring medical conditions that happen to it. And, and that plays such a big part in being bullied because if you're tired or if you're, like you said, you're having GI issues or, or challenges, those really play in. It's really not only the brain-based um, symptoms that we think of when we think of someone being bullied, but there are those medical symptoms that we need to consider too. And, and I'm so thankful you're bringing that up because so often when we talk about FASD, we think of that, the, the brain-based only. And, and it's important for us to realize that those co-occurring medical conditions, those co-occurring psychiatric conditions play a huge factor in day-to-day living. So I, I'm, I'm just really thankful, Jared, that you're, you're bringing that up. So before we talk about how parents can be proactive and, and how to help develop protective factors, one thing I want to kind of go into, which I know that you've spoken about on other podcasts, let's talk about cyberbullying. For me, as a parent, I think that's even more slippery to detect. That goes under the radar so much easier than the the physical bullying or, or hearing that your child is being verbally bullied. Can we talk a little bit about FASD and cyberbullying? Just because I know that, especially with you know since the pandemic and like you said, technology has just boomed, and there are even more ways that someone. Not only with an FASD, but someone with any type of brain-based diagnosis can be more susceptible to cyberbullying. Can you just talk about that for a few minutes, Jared?
1: Yeah, I would say that's one of the most common reasons why I get emails from folks around the world now wanting like advice from me is something in that realm of like the internet, social media, almost every single time someone reaches out to me the person with FASD that they're working with, or maybe they're a caregiver too, there's something going on in that social media realm where it becomes addictive, it becomes problematic. They have a history of being the victim of cyberbullying. I've heard some cases where the person with FASD is actually bullying other people online. A lot of dynamics with that, it gets very murky. So when you think of cyberbullying, it's also been referred to as cyber harassment. There's the most extreme, I would say, would be more like cyber stalking. There's a lot of research literature on that in general. I'm not aware of any specific FASD. But again, if cyberbullying is going on, it really involves some type of harassment or threatening behaviors or someone's humiliating someone online, spreading rumors spreading like cruel online posts about the individual or sharing inappropriate pictures online as well. And again, online, maybe the group of kids from school are connected online and they're talking about getting together Friday night after school and they deliberately exclude that person online from the group, but the person can see that. That's a form of kind of cyberbullying in a way. Posting anything that could be very embarrassing, cruel, critical, mean, threatening on a digital v- device could be a cell phone, could be a computer, could be a social media site, could be some sort of video or on a tablet. Those are the kind of different dimensions of cyberbullying. But there's also something called social bullying, which overlaps a lot with this. But social bullying is really when The individual or group of individuals is trying to damage someone's social reputation or their social acceptance within a group. So they're trying to get them not to be accepted by a group of people. So again, like leaving someone out on purpose, lying and spreading rumors, those kind of things, playing nasty jokes on the individual to really humiliate them, and then maybe they're recording it, and then they post it online to see how many likes they can get. That is very, very detrimental. One other thing we didn't talk about today that there's actually quite a bit of research studies on, not necessarily for FASD, but sibling bowling. What bowling doesn't just always happen at school or on the job. Bowling can happen within the household too. And bowling can happen between siblings and bowling can happen between that child and parent as well. So we need to be aware of those dynamics if that's ever been a history. And then, when we talk about these things like cyberbullying, being aware of the topic of sexting, that's a whole other can of worms we need to be aware of, or like sexual bowling, where someone's sending unwanted sexual messages to someone, or making sexual jokes, or just doing inappropriate things to that individual through the sexual nature. If we look at, I didn't really talk much about the long-term effects, but maybe I'll just briefly share that Natalie, just for your audience. But the research really leans to the fact people who've been bullied, and I'm not talking like a one-time thing, but like ongoing patterns of being bullied, some of the long-term effects that could happen, if we just take FASD out of the equation, it could be for anyone, increases in trust issues. In some cases, the person who was bullied may have a tendency to go inward more and hang on to more anger or bitterness, or they might even have a desire for revenge. As that person gets older, and if these things go unchecked, the the individual may be more likely to not go to school. So it could contribute to like school disengagement. As they get older and get a job, they may be more likely to call in sick to work more frequently. And bowling, in and of itself, can really erode one's self-confidence and get in the way of social skills. And there's a whole host of physical health issues too that the research leans to that bowling can contribute to. Muscle pain, headaches, increases in blood pressure, increases in inflammation and loneliness. And there's even some literature to show that the long-term effects of bowling could contribute to thyroid problems for some people too. So those are just a few of the different long-term effects to be aware of and why we're kind of talking about this topic, because it really has significant implications for the person's emotional health, social health, and physical health throughout the lifespan.
0: I'm so glad you're bringing all of this up, Jared, because there are so many layers to bullying, and it's important for us to know all of these, just all of these situations, especially cyberbullying, online bullying i hear often from from families sharing stories similar to what you're saying how their young adult their teen their young adult is being cyberbullied either in a sexually inappropriate way you know asking for inappropriate pictures or harassment or, or you name it unfortunately there are so many opportunities for cyberbullying and especially with cyberbullying, it's 24-7. That person, if they're able to access you or access you on social media or any type of access, phone, computer, And until you're able to block that, and even then, you know, you'll hear from their friends or or whomever, it's a 24 hour seven kind of thing, you know, I I think back way back when, when I was younger, it was, you know, at the school or at some place, but once you got home, it was pretty much your refuge, but it, it just seems like that those boundaries are totally erased. So the boundaries of bullying just really permeates into every single environment your home environment work, school, every environment and like you said I think I'm so glad you mentioned sibling bullying and and familial bullying because that that really can happen too especially when the other sibling or other family member does not understand FASD, understand Brayton based diagnoses or again, just sees that as an opportunity to, to raise their power up because we know a lot of times in bullying, there's that power issue. It's, it's that ex- exertion of, of power over another individual or individuals. So let's kind of make a shift now into how parents, caregivers, educators, anyone involved in that person's life, how they can be proactive and how they can help that person develop protective factors when it comes to bullying in uh, their loved one's lives.
1: You bet. And could could I mention one thing, Natalie, about brain development? I totally forgot to do this. I think it'd sure be thing. important. So take, again, take FASD out of the equation. Some of the research, too, points to the fact that Bowling and the toxic stress that results from this, so ongoing cumulative impact of bowling has on the body and brain, it can actually cause long term changes to that person's developing brain, which can contribute to cognitive problems. So, cognitive problems could impact their memory, could contribute to mood, could contribute to learning challenges, emotional deficits. And when we're under that toxic stress, regardless if it's from bowling or whatever it is, we have a constant kind of flow of stress hormones going into our body. Now, in the short term, not necessarily a bad thing. That fight or flight response system is is there to protect people. But what happens if the stress is ongoing and cumulative over and over and over again for years on end? It constantly activates our hypothalamus. MIC pituitary adrenal access or HPA access. Over time, that stress can cause dysfunction in that and our stress hormones can cause immune system dysregulation, it can impact our sleep, it can have a huge impact on our digestive health. And over the long haul, those can contribute to long-term emotional and physical health problems. Now, if you introduce FASD back in the equation, people with FASD already deal with cognitive problems, emotional problems and HPA access dysfunction according to the literature. So now it's just kind of like fuel on the fire. So it's exacerbating a lot of these already underlying symptoms that the person may be dealing with. So again, that's one of the reasons why we just so need to be aware of this topic. So in terms of like interventions, strategies, things to be aware of first and foremost, learning as much as you can about these terms, these topics and starting to connect the dots that what is happening here, there's actually a term to it. Finding professionals who understand these things, getting some support and services. We know if we look at the research literature on bullying, it can contribute to an increase in internalizing symptoms for the person. So inwardly experienced symptoms, loneliness, depression, anxiety, self-confidence, shame, but it can also exacerbate externalizing behavioral problems. Those are things we can see more easily. Getting into fights, self-regulation issues, more defiant behavior. Understanding internalizing and externalizing behaviors would be a good starting point and getting some support and services to address that. A lot of times we know people with FASD are gonna be dealing with low self-control or self-regulation issues, or those executive functioning impairments. So working with someone who can teach that person to learn how to self-soothe, self-regulate, self-monitor more effectively. Maybe it's working with an executive functioning coach. Maybe it's working with a therapist who understands like metacognition training, metacognition approaches. I would also recommend learning about the topic of alexithymia. There's not a lot of literature per se for FASD, but there's tons with other neurodevelopmental disorders, but I'm confident that alexithymia is probably really high among people with FASD. Alexithymia is when somebody has a real difficult time understanding feelings, naming them, labeling them, and processing them. So helping the person learn how to make sense of their emotions more effectively can be a really helpful intervention strategy. I think anything we can do to help regulate that person's body and mind, maybe it's deep breathing, maybe it's exercise, maybe it's working with a nutritionist, maybe it's working with a sleep specialist if the person's dealing with some sleep related issues. Working with the school, too, because we all we know all too often people with FASD struggle in school settings where maybe the school isn't set up for an FASD-informed kind of curriculum. And now if we throw bowling into the mix, school disengagement goes up. So really involving the school fi- officials, I think, is going to be a very helpful thing. And then I think also if there's things going on within the family looking at the family dynamics or like conceptual or contextual factors that might be going on within that family system that could be exacerbating some of this. Could be lower levels of parental education, could be economic disadvantage, poverty, homelessness. Maybe there's a substance abuse problem within that family system. So looking at the family dynamic, I think would be very, very helpful as well. And a couple other things, Natalie, I think I just leave your Audience with education, helping the family, I think, learn about the importance of using like attachment based and trauma based parenting approaches can be very, very helpful. Maybe it is working with that individual to build their friendship skills. So maybe it's a referral to like a support group where they teach social skills. And I know our other podcast recording, you're releasing that at some point in the future. I encourage your audience to listen to that as well. If the person is dealing with some issues around empathy, maybe it's some empathy training or self-esteem improvement strategies. If the person is dealing with higher levels of like anger or distress or impulsivity, really focus on that and really focusing on how they handle stress Worry and uncertainty and looking at their coping skills and helping them learn some really positive, healthy, proactive coping strategies would be really, really helpful.
0: Oh, as usual, I've written all of those wonderful answers down so that our our uh, listeners can also refer to social media posts to see um, these uh, these suggestions, these these tips that you're you're giving us. One more thing, too. I I know that pretty recently you did an episode with Robbie Seal of, of FASD Family Life about alexithymia um, and FASD. So I would recommend to our listeners to to hop on over and listen to that episode. Um, I believe it was re- released um, in May. Am I yes. correct? Okay. I believe so, so yes. So, yeah. So, so, listen to that episode to learn more about alexithymia because that really is um, a crucial component in someone having an FASD or neurobehavioral um, brain based diagnosis, is helping them to be able to learn how to build those skills um, and especially relating to talking about friendship skills and uh, talking about today's subject, which is, which is bullying. Um, Jared, before we end on our hope takeaways, what are some either resources or places that um, families, educators, people can look for more uh, information about today's topic?
1: I would share my email with individuals. I, there's a number of different bullying prevention programs that have been used around the world. So that's a good thing. There's lots and lots of bowling prevention programs that are used by various schools and groups and things of that nature all around the world. And there's a ton of different screening tools that professionals can use and educators can use with bowling. Now, the bad thing is none of these programs I'm aware of were developed specifically for FASD. But the good news is many of these have been used with other neurodevelopmental disorders. So there's a lot of good research out there. If you even go to Google Scholar and type in bowling and neurodevelopmental disorders, you're gonna find a lot of good readings on that. But I am in the process of developing more training programs, handouts specifically about these topics for FASD. So feel free to share my email with folks. I will. I always get back to people. I'll share different helpful, kind of things I've learned along the way with folks and keep people up to date too of any trainings I'm doing on these topics.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jared. And we'll be posting your email, not only in today's program notes, but as well as in our social media posts and tagging Jared. Um, and his nonprofit, um, I know that AIAFS releases webinars and sessions very relevant to today's topic bullying. So as always, Jared, thank you so much for being on FASD Hope. You know that we end our episodes on Hope Takeaways. And this is really difficult subject, but it's really something we need to be open and honest about. Um, and always on top of this is if 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 there is any subtopic within FASD, I think this is probably one of the top three that you need to be the most proactive on because we know that bullying leads to secondary and tertiary symptoms, you know, and um, and just has a ripple effect in somebody's life. What are some hope takeaways that you can? share with our listeners today, um, just about um, just about the topic of bullying and, and how um, how we can support those we love who may have experienced or may be experiencing bullying.
1: Awareness is absolutely on the rise. I mean, I can't count how many new studies come out on bullying all the time. so lots and lots of awareness on that. There are multiple different like videos on YouTube. You can find just general education tools. If you just Google bowling prevention online you're gonna find a lot. The only bad thing is a lot of these are not tailored specifically for people that VSD, but you know, I, I think they're gonna be applicable still especially if you look at some of the ADHD and autism kind of strategies, but I assure you I'm gonna do everything in my power to get the word out about these topics because it is so important. I'm trying to educate as many people as possible. And Natalie, if, if your audience finds this helpful and you do too, I'd be more than happy to come back and take a deeper dive into any one of these topics. And I think most people recognize it's an issue. I think COVID has really brought it to the surface with cyberbullying, And I think more and more awareness, prevention, and hopefully funding dollars is being funneled into this really important topic.
0: Thank you, Jared. And and hearing you say that you are committed to, uh, to just bringing education, bringing support, and, and just helping those in the FASD community, that is hope for me as, as a mom of, of a young adult with an FASD. So um, on behalf of all the parents listening out there, Jared, as always, thank you so much for everything that you do. And uh, you know you'll be back on FASD hope. In fact, I you you are probably the guest that may have the most frequent guest points <laughs> in, in in being on our uh, our podcast. So, um, as always, Jared, thank you so much for for being here, and we will continue this discussion on bullying. I, I definitely think we we do need another episode um, because we just kind of touched on today's topic, but I think we'll go into a a deeper dive into bullying in in the not so distant future. So Jared Brown, Dr. Jared Brown, as always, thank you for being on FASD Hope.
1: You're welcome. And thank you so much.
0: Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie beck If you like our show and want more information, check out fasdhope.com. Or please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us again next week and remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.